Good morning, and this morning we're going to have a look at uh, Galatians chapter 4. So if you turn with me to that passage, and we'll read it together. Galatians 4, starting to read at verse 1. What I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave. Although he owns the whole estate, he is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Shall we pray as we consider those verses? Our Father, we thank you again that we can come before you and we thank you for these verses that we've read in your presence, for this letter that Paul wrote to the Galatian churches that is also speaking to us this morning as we gather round it in your name. And we ask these things in your precious name. Amen. So Galatians chapter 4, you know, in order to be understood, sometimes we need to draw what we might call verbal pictures. In other words, use an illustration, an illustration from everyday life. And we do this all the time, sometimes without realising it, when we say to somebody, well, look at it this way. And then we go on to explain something that they will understand. Here, Paul starts with the phrase, what I am saying is. So, Let's together hear what it is that he has to say this morning to us as we read from this letter that he wrote to the churches in the area that we know as Turkey. But in those days, it was known to Paul as Galatia. That was the name that the Romans gave it, Galatia. So we come to Galatians chapter 4. Let's look at verse 1 through to verse 7. And here, Paul wants them to understand what he's trying to tell them. And he says this in verse 1. What I'm saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. You see... Paul is saying, look, under these circumstances, the heir is a child of the father. The father is not dead. He's very much alive. And the child will eventually receive his inheritance that's due to him. And this is while the father is still alive. Now, remember, Paul is speaking to people in his day, and this is the way things were. And when Jesus spoke and he told us the parable of the prodigal son, he referred there to a son who demanded to receive his inheritance while his father was still alive. And apparently under the law then, it was okay to do that. He didn't have to wait till the father died. They could request their inheritance. But, you know, let's go back to what we've been looking at. And Paul is saying that in the meantime, while the son is still a son and he's still an heir, but even as an infant, that is still his position. But his, he has 
ownership of the father's estate, but he's under the guidance and the control of stewards and guardians. You see, in this position, the child is reliant on them. And his status is no different than that of a slave. In this case, this word slave is more translated as being an estate worker. Just as the son in the parable of the prodigal son came back and requested that he take on the position of an estate worker because he had already taken his inheritance. But from that parable, Jesus is bringing out different points. So back to what we're looking at this morning. You see, what Paul is saying that this situation of the son is until a time set by his father, a time when he will come under direct supervision of his father as a child, but he will now enter into his full inheritance. So we come to verse 3 of chapter 4, and Paul says this, So also, when we were underage, we were in slavery under the element, <laughs> under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. You see, what he's saying is, as Gentiles, you were under what we can refer to as world religions. And you people who are Jews, you are under what was the Mosaic law. And then he's talking about all of them. When he says we, he's meaning himself. He's meaning the Jews and he's meaning, meaning the Gentiles. And he's saying we are like that child. And then he goes on and he says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Let's stop a moment. When he said, But when the time had fully come. As an illustration, that is the time to make the move from the stewards and the guardians and to move directly under the father as the son receives the inheritance due to him. So when Jesus was born, the Jewish nation, they were still under the law. But when Jesus died, the final sacrifice was made. The veil in the temple was ripped from top to bottom, signifying that the law had served its purpose and that the way to God was through the resurrected Son of God, that is Jesus, heralding that salvation was in Christ alone. So what Paul is saying is that at that point, the move was from the law as being approached to God. Rather than that, the move from that was that the approach to God, the direct approach to God, was by way of the cross. So I'm going to just share a few verses from Mark chapter 1. It's verse 14 and 15. This is what we read. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. You see, this is the transitional part 
of moving away from the law and moving to the approach of God through the power of the cross. The kingdom of God has come near. And then Jesus said, repent and believe the good news. That phrase, born of a woman, in Galatians verse 4 of chapter 4. You know, Jesus entered this world as we do. He entered by the womb of a woman. What we might call a normal birth, but an immaculate conception. Why? Because Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is God's son. Jesus is God with us. Paul also says in verse 4, born under the law. Now let's consider that. You see, Jesus was born subject to all the rules and regulations of natural law and the Jewish law. After his birth, Mary and Joseph took Jesus to the temple. Now you might remember this passage, it's recorded in Luke chapter 2, verse 22 to 24. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. Get that? It's as the law dictated and then the passage goes on and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord a pair of doves or two young pigeons and in that same passage you come down to verse 27 and on to, into verse 28 and we read this when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Born under the law. And when we come to Matthew's gospel in Matthew chapter 5, we have the, what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And listen to the words of Jesus towards the end of that sermon. He said this, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them to fulfill them you know this is what paul is trying to get across to these people that jesus didn't come to abolish the law or the prophets but he is the fulfillment of the law this is why paul could say to the galatians in verse 4 and 5 but when the set time had fully come god sent his son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. This is the whole point of the reasoning that Paul is bringing to these people, the logic of it. Redeem those under the law. No one but Jesus could do this, and he did it. Receive adoption to sonship. This, The, the way to this is only through what Jesus has done. And when we come to God that way, then Jesus... His father becomes our father. Let's just remind ourselves of a verse from John, chapter 20, verse 17. And this is after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And this is what we read. Jesus' words to Mary Magdalene. This is what he said. Jesus said, 
do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. They are the words of Jesus. This is what Paul is saying. We can go to the book of Hebrews and we can look at chapter 2. And I'll just read to you verse 10 through to 12. And as I do that, just think about them and think about what Paul is saying. Think about what Paul is wanting these people to understand. So Hebrews 2. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So, Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praise. So with those, those thoughts, let's go back to Galatians and let's look at verse 6 of chapter 4. Paul says this, Because you are his sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. See, what Paul is saying is, look, the evidence is there in your lives. The evidence is this, is that the Holy Spirit has come into your lives. You've already seen the Lord at work in your lives. And he's saying, you've been living as God's children. And you've only been able to do that through the power of His, the death and resurrection of Jesus. But now you have the promises that he has given to you. The promises given in the good news of the gospel. And this is the gospel that had been presented to them by Paul. This is the gospel that they believed. And this is what Paul's saying. He's saying, look, God is your father and you are part of his family. And Paul is reminding the Gentile believers of this. So in verse 7 of chapter 4, he says, so you are no longer a slave, but God's children. And since you are his children, God has made you also an heir. In other words, you are not slaves to the law, but you have inherited the promise that has set you free from the law, and you are free to be called a son and heir. And you can call God your father, not just your father, but Abba Father. That is the name given to a loving and caring father. And a child uses it to express his confidence in that when he says, Abba Father. So let's go on to Galatians uh, verse 8 and 10 of chapter 4. And what's happening here? Paul is saying, remember who you were and remember who you are now. So let's read, starting at verse 8. Formerly, when you didn't know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? 
You're observing special days and months and seasons and years. Remember that Paul is speaking in this letter to the congregations of all the churches in the area of Galatia. Antioch and Iconium, Lystra, Derbe. He's speaking to the people in these churches and what does he want them to understand about what he is saying? Well, let's just finish as we summarise this this morning and we just consider these things that we've read. One, he's saying, okay, you as Gentiles, you believers, you are free from the bondage of false gods and man-made religions. Then he's saying, now, how about you Jews who are reading this letter? You Jewish believers, you're free from having to follow the temple's sacrificial offerings. You don't have to follow the feast days and the, the physical circumcision. You see, all these things are pointing to the one who is the fulfillment of the law. And now you are free to follow him. You're free to follow Jesus. And you do it through the power of the sacrifice that he made, that once and for all sacrifice, the only sacrifice that God was completely pleased with. That's why he rose him again from the dead. Thirdly, how about those of you who have accepted Jesus as your saviour, but who are thinking that you will have to follow these Jewish traditions? Let me tell you that if you do this, then by your own actions, you will be saying that Christ's sacrifice was not efficient to salvation. And you know deep down in your heart that that's no gospel at all. That's not the gospel that Paul is saying that he preached to them. That is not the gospel that you believed in. That's not the gospel that's at work in your lives today. If you insist on going back to the old ways, that is a backward step, a step into something which is not the gospel. And then Paul is really saying this, okay, for those Jews who are here, who are promoting this false teaching, you know what you're doing? You're perverting the gospel of Christ. And by doing that, you're putting yourselves under God's curse. Finally, He's saying this, and this is to those who have heard the good news that Jesus died for the sins of the world and that all who come to him in true repentance will be saved. This means that you too can become a son and heir and you too can call God your father. And if you haven't yet taken that step of faith, Paul's saying, why don't you do it now? You know, I'm going to finish there and I hope that we can think about these things and consider them as we, we go away this morning and see how we stand in the presence of God. Paul is going to go on in this chapter. He's going to make a, a personal a plea and you will feel the, the emotions in Paul as he loves these people. But we're going to have a look at that next week. Let's just pray together this morning. Our Father, we thank you for this letter. We thank you for these people who were struggling with the fact that these false teachers were coming in amongst them and saying, look, it's not enough that Jesus died for you. 
It's not enough for you to just trust in him. You have to do other things as well in order to earn your salvation. Paul's saying, no, 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 that is not right. If you accepted Jesus as your saviour, you are sons and heirs. And you are in his family by the power of what Jesus did. Now, Father, we pray that you will help us understand these things this morning. As we listen to Paul's words, we pray that we might hear your words, not just speaking to the Galatian churches, but speaking to us here this morning, wherever we are and whatever situation we are in. Father, we just pray that you will open our hearts to you this morning. For those of us who know you as our Saviour, that we will have that confidence that we are yours. And if there's any who have not taken that step of faith, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you will lead them down that path, that path of repentance to forgiveness and acceptance into your family. And we ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.